Almost Awakened Podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality with your hosts, Brittany Hartley and Bill Reed. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. All right. Britt Hartley, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Bill? Good, good. How's life treating you? Good. I went down a rabbit hole this weekend. I know. I got you started on this, didn't I? Oh my gosh, Bill. And I sent you so many messages. I probably just like filled up. I had so much fun one morning. What I did is last week we were talking about chat GPT or maybe it was the week before. And, um, you know, for the religion that we come from, it was conference weekend. And so I was, I just started playing with it and I started asking like, I started asking ChatGPT to answer as historical people. So Christopher Hitchens or Buddha or historical Jesus. And it was so fun. And I, my favorite one was asking historical Jesus, okay, you come down for general conference. What do you say to the Mormons as historical Jesus? Yeah. And it was like two things. It was like um, inclusivity specifically to the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, look inside your hearts and really determine if, you're using your money in the way that that I would have on my life on earth and giving money to the poor and all of that. And I was like, and then like you read it like it was a talk. And I was like, that is the best conference talk I have ever heard. So I had an uplifting weekend with ChatGPT talking By to ignoring some of my the favorite... actual conference and listening yes. to uh, artificial intelligence Jesus. Yes. Right, artificial intelligence Jesus and artificial intelligence Buddha gave me a super inspiring weekend. I really enjoyed. In fact, I might add on the podcast, um, you know, asking maybe some wisdom teachers from different time periods what they would say about something and, and include it on the podcast because it was just a fun little it was a fun little rabbit hole. It might be nice to ask questions and have it be the voice of unhealthy, unwise voices and see what they say and see mm. what kind of people in our world those voices are closest to. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Hmm. I didn't even think about that. Hmm. Now I'm going to waste another morning asking Hitler about stuff or I don't know. <laughs> but super yeah. excited for today's podcast. Today's podcast episode um, or guest comes to us from TikTok. And um, it was actually super sweet of her. I had posted something and she stitched it. And of course, on my small following, I got like, I don't know, a couple of thousand people to watch it. But on her huge platform, so many people watched one of the videos that I posted and I was so honored. And so I you know, clicked on her and I went through her content and found that this is a super interesting person that I would love to talk to. And so without further ado... If you're ready, I think we'll welcome on Here we go. Jordan the Grey Witch. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. And hopefully some people who are on TikTok maybe recognize you. Um, but yeah. we're super ex- <laughs> Yeah, you have a pretty big following there, girl. <laughs> it's a new thing. It's a new thing for me. Okay. <laughs> this all happened in under a year. So now I'm like recognizable oh. and that's, that's strange, but get- I'm, I'm getting used to it. You get people who will now like see you like out and about and recognize I, you. I don't go out 
a lot. I'm, I'm mm. kind of an introvert, strangely, mm. right? So mm -hmm. I, I don't go out quite a lot, but yes, it's, it's happened. And it's, it's a little jarring when it happens because you're not really sure. I get so much negativity online, but so much positivity in person. So it's kind of like you're a little bit, you're like, uh oh, is this going to be a, a mm -hmm. troll or is this a nice person? But it's, it's yeah. been nice so far. So cool. hope it stays that way. <laughs> So what I would love to start with, because one of your taglines is that you were an atheist witch and instantly I was like, tell me everything. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a journey to tell, huh? Yes. Yeah. So I really want to, um, if you could just start with like your early faith experience, spirituality, religion experience, and how you kind of came to be TikTok's atheist witch. Oh man, sure. Uh, okay. So I would have to say, I have to start from the beginning. Um, I was adopted by my maternal grandparents. Um, so even though I was exposed to my biological parents throughout my life, sort of on weekends and holidays, I was raised primarily by them. So on the one hand, I had my grandparents who were, my grandmother was Christian and my, and my grandfather was atheist. And then my father's family were strict Roman Catholic. So I had pulls of Christianity from both sides, but my grandfather was the smartest person that I knew. So when he would explain things in a way that I could understand, because especially being a little neurodivergent child, I never stopped asking questions. And the thing was, is that from both aspects, from the religious standpoints, they couldn't answer my questions, but he could. So that made sense to me. So even though I, I would say in my younger years, I had a belief in God, but no longer than I had a belief in Santa Claus, you know, so sort of after that age, when I realized, oh, this is nonsense, uh, <laughs> that the, the, the God belief sort of went out with that. And I would say throughout my teen years, I dabbled in Wicca and, and things like that, like delving into, I guess, what will be considered now as like more of the neo-paganism. But I never really had a belief in deities as in actual entities. Like I understood the mythological aspect of them, even as a young age, I have three deities tattooed on me. Um, but more so because I love mythology and what they represent specifically for uh, feminine empowerment. Like all three of them are very much um, divine feminine goddesses. So I, I would say in my younger age, you know, uh, even though I came from that religion, um, it just never, they tried. I, I actually got kicked out of Catholic school uh, when I was five for asking the nuns too many questions. So that's kind of how my <laughs> spiritual journey went. <laughs> and I was so you an atheist. Okay, so atheist in high school. Atheist came to you early, and then you just continued to explore and found benefits to rituals and myth and some yes. of these stories, but you kept your skepticism through the whole way. Yes, they're separate. And I think a lot of people get confused about that because most, I would say most witches, the majority of witches have sort of like a neo-pagan or, or Wiccan background. So when I come out and say, well, I'm an atheist, but I still practice witchcraft, people are like, well, who do you pray to? And I'm like, well, I don't pray to anybody. But I, I'm a firm believer that witchcraft is more so just really spicy psychology for the most part and self-care and going through rituals, which I think people get the term ritual is kind of scary for them. Um, but a birthday party is a ritual. So things like that that are totally applicable in our day-to-day -day lives, we can utilize those, especially in, you know, ways of growing and, and especially self-healing. I've used it to heal myself for, for, for decades now, I'm 37. So I, I want to ask, you know, Britt, you've got this in the outline, but I want to maybe ask this a different way. So most of the folks in the audience, their experience when hearing the word, witch, they're thinking like wizard of Oz, right. And, and yeah, essentially the stereotype of what a witch 
is in movies and cartoons, when in reality, obviously, it's something very different. So kind of a two-part question. What is it that makes the word witch mean something common throughout time? And how is the role in which you see yourself as a witch different than maybe the stereotype or um, how it's portrayed throughout uh, modern history? So I think the witch, especially portrayed throughout modern media and history, um, is sort of always a negative connotation, right? It's always the bad guy. It's always sort of the old woman. They're they're ugly. They're they're cruel. They're evil. They're going to get your children. All these things. And and Hollywood has run with that and perpetuated that for the centuries. But in reality, a, a witch is just somebody that sort of walks a different path. That maybe walks on the periphery of society, stays to themselves, heals themselves, grows their own food, um, you know, things like that. Uh, more of a person of nature than anything, as opposed to sort of like this evil woman that wants to eat your babies, you know? And I think that that's, you know, a, a, a pretty young girl who lives in the forest and grows her own herbs and makes her own tinctures isn't quite as uh, entertaining Hollywood style as sort of the Wicked Witch of the West that flies around on a broom and has monkeys. You know, I think that that's far more entertaining for a, you know, a media value. But in reality, there are so many witches out there. And to, you know, consider yourself a witch, I think, you know, a lot of witches consider it coming out of the broom closet the first time you call yourself a witch. And it can be something that's really empowering because to be a witch, especially with certain religions, I would say it's the worst thing you can be. Because especially within the monotheistic religions, you know, being a woman is already <laughs> the worst, right? Being an evil or portrayed evil woman or a woman that's different, intelligent, any of these things is, is even worse. So by calling yourself this thing, you're re-identifying that term and claiming it for yourself and bringing power back to it in a place where it was considered derogatory, which is why I love it. Because when I, you know, my name is Jordan the Grey Witch, it pisses off all the right people. <laughs> you do rustle, ruffle some feathers there on TikTok. Um, so there's a couple words that have kind of brought been brought up and you do have some content talking about, um, Kind of the differences between paganism and witches and Wiccan and how these kind of Venn diagrams overlap. Um, so can you maybe share some of that content about some of these words that get mixed into this space? Sure. So, you know, being a witch can mean so many things depending on which witch, which witch you're talking to, right? So, uh, and by the way, anyone of any gender can practice witchcraft or consider themselves a witch, identify as a witch, um, they may or may not practice magic. Not all of us do. You know, like I said, I more consider witchcraft as spicy psychology and a way to self-heal. Um, not unlike meditation, not unlike any other ritual practices, things that people do, uh, they make themselves feel better. And even, you know, is applicable even in certain religious contexts as prayer, right? Certain things that you can do. I would say that for a lot of the witchcraft, it's 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 vastly different depending on, again, which sect you're sort of practicing from. So if you want to get started with sort of the, the Wiccans, um, not all Wiccans, not all witches are Wiccans, but all Wiccans are witches, right? So it's it's sort of like the, the Catholic Christian thing is it's it's sort of overlapping. Um, and I would say most of the modern most of the modern witches would be considered like the neo-pagans, right? New pagans, they believe, and, and paganism is just a belief in more than one deity. And I would say most of the witches that I know and follow and vice versa, they, they believe in several deities and they, they may practice to them, they may emulate them, they may use them in, within their practices, uh, how, how, when they're going to practice certain days or associated with certain deities, things like that. But again, it's different with every single witch and every single practice. 
if that makes mm. sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I have to share. So my, my first experience with a witch is I went to kind of organize this pagan night here with a, with a witch and she's this older lady and she's like this grandmother willow, right? She's like this archetypal wise woman and her hair is actually all gray. And we went in a circle and we, um, it was like a full moon ceremony and we were walking and I got into this like trance state, like without any, like no drugs or anything like that. And I got into this kind of trance state and then the moon came out and she was, of course, some of us younger ones who were just leaving Mormonism kind of were felt uncomfortable with our bodies. And she was under the moonlight and dancing as if no one was watching. And it was truly one of the most beautiful and feminine, powerful moments of my life. Just watching this old woman dance under the moon as if no one was watching without yeah. caring about what her body looked like. Right. Yes. In and that that's moment. So important. It's such an important, it was so sacred and it's a, it's a tender memory of mine. And um, I really enjoy her and I stay in contact with her. And some of the things like, you know, some of when I talk to her, we've done tarot readings before, some of it gets a little too woo for me and I have to maybe retranslate some things in my mind, but um, even sitting and, and we had a cauldron and everybody lit an incense and we just set an intention for what the next season of our life we wanted to be. And we would say a word and we would put our incense in the middle. And so it was all these women with all these, you know, incense sticks. And it, it was powerful, even like you're saying, even without any supernatural involvement. Yes. For me, I wasn't believing that anything metaphysical was going on. Yes, it was an incredibly powerful experience. And so can you speak a little bit more to how this has been a self-healing journey for you and especially from the kind of divine feminine space and i would love to know who your female tattoo or your deity oh, tattoos you are yeah. too so, so you want to do the tattoos first or i'll, I'll tell you this how about how it's a it's a feminine yeah. empowerment um mm -hmm. so i would say many many women go through uh, I guess what can be referred to as the wounded fem feminine, right? Especially under patriarchy, where we are taught to hate everything about ourselves, hate everything about our body. It doesn't matter if you're tall, if you're short, if you're big, if you're small, it's not right. Um, and we are taught this systemically from the time that we are very, very young. So I would say for me, discovering witchcraft and discovering the self-empowerment aspect of it, it healed a lot of those broken pieces in me, the, the pieces that I hated and resented because that's what I was taught to do. Um, hating certain parts about my body, not understanding why I, I felt the way that I did. Um, and the more you delve into witchcraft and especially just study it all. If you're getting, if, if, if any of the listeners are getting started, study it all, you know, study everything, all the different goddesses, all the different um, practices and things that you can do to self-empower yourself, to, to love yourself. Because I would say without it, I don't know that I would still be here. I think it taught me how to really empower myself. And I, I say all the time on my channel, knowledge is power. The more you learn, the more powerful you become and the more powerful your words are because you have the knowledge to back up what you're saying. And I think that a lot of women just have this sort of inherent insecurity about what they say, about the way they look, about their choices because that's what we've been taught and witchcraft is sort of the antithesis of patriarchy 
It's the opposite of what they want. They want control. They want submission. Witchcraft is neither of those things. It is empowerment. It is dominance. It is self-love. And I, I wish more people understood that. I think they all think that we're like these crazy ladies flying around on brooms and that we want to, you know, hurt kids and stuff. It's just not the case. Uh, we just, we want to love ourselves and be one with nature and with our own psyche in in a healthy way. And it's, again, it's, it's, it's pretty much saved my life more than once. Oh, and the goddesses. So I have Bastet and Sakhmet, both Egyptian on these sides. Uh, Bastet was essentially the goddess of the home, women, um, protection, things like that. Sakhmet was her sister. She was a little bit more aggressive. Um, she was said to grow the head of a lioness and roar into battle and bite men's heads off. So they essentially stand for protection and vengeance. And then I've got Artemis over here, the goddess of the hunt. She's always been the one that um, stood out to me the most. Uh, the story of her and Orion is one of my favorite in Greek mythology. So that's why I have Orion on the other side too. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I, uh, as, as you're sitting here listening, it, it certainly makes a lot of sense that, again, in patriarchy and in religious constructs that any female who kind of became her own authority and just wasn't going to tolerate the nonsense that that was part of the society would certainly be pushed back against and so the idea that in the modern world we have turned witches which was some sort of feminine power and strength into ugly old ladies who eat children that makes a lot of sense to me yeah. Um, it, it seems like it's almost a form of alchemy. And what I mean by that is that you essentially are taking control of your life and you're now turning things into something else, right? Like you're Absolutely. taking what it was that you were handed and, and making something else with it. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And somebody here had a question. I want to make sure this got answered. Uh, Carlton uh, says, does your atheism imply a lack of belief in the supernatural in general or simply a lack of belief in the Christian God while maintaining a belief in other supernatural beings or events, or I would even say like supernatural magic, right? Because part of the uh, stereotype is that witches have access to real supernatural magic, not uh, alchemy magic. And I don't mean like turning tin into gold, but turning things in your life into something better and more strong, right? Yes. Powerful. So thank you for your question, Carlton. It's actually a good one I get all the time. So personally, I have no belief in any deity or anything supernatural that can't be explained by science. So that's just me. Uh, you know, anything paranormal just means out of the norm, right? And so I think when people ask, do you believe in the supernatural? Do you believe in the paranormal? Most of the time they are asking, well, do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in things like that? And to believe in ghosts, you must believe in the concept of a soul, which is a religious construct. So for me, the concept of a soul is really just sort of, I would say, the amalgamation of our consciousness and our personal experiences. I don't believe that there's this sort of non-corporeal essence that's inside of us that once our bodies die, it floats off into some other place. I, there's no there's no science that supports this. So for me, until there's you know data that can support something like that, it's just not something that I entertain. It's more of a uh, you know, residual religious construct, the idea of a, of a soul. Um, so to, if I don't believe in a soul. How can I believe in a ghost, which would essentially be the disembodied soul of a deceased human? Um, so I, I don't, I don't believe in things like that. Um, 
I think that's where people get, you know, uh, misconstrued. And as for the term magic, I think, you know, as, as in like a, a magician's magic, you know, that's sleight of hand, that's, that's you know, uh, smoke and mirrors, things like this. So I don't believe in anything like that. I believe that every human has the power to self-heal and our psyche is a powerful thing. So by utilizing that psyche and by, again, gaining knowledge, knowledge is power. The more we learn, the more we grow, and the more we can self-heal ourselves. And whichever route you may take to do that, um, as long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone, I think it's a good thing. If that makes does that make sense? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah this, cool. the, Bill and I do a lot of. The, it's continually what we're trying to do is we tend to be more science atheists, but we're trying to dig out these tools, um, such as ritual, such as ritual yeah. that we've talked about many times before. Um, to say, hey, there's actually tools here in the rubble of religion that people's are, people are leaving behind that, hey, can we repurpose sure. these tools in a way that you don't have to be intellectually dishonest, but in a way that's helpful for your life. So we're all about okay. that. And I have another question for you. Um, our audience is just super curious about you. So I just I want to make sure that we get to mm -hmm. most of these. Um, Steve, Arizona, is there 20 plus types of witches, maybe more? Why did you select gray? Uh, that's a great question, Steve. Thank you. Uh, firstly, everybody asks this as well. I do have a video on my on my TikTok that I explain this, but I'll sort of reiterate here. So for me, uh, gray essentially means uh, magic and witchcraft is often, you know, uh, d uh, excuse me, um, two categories, right? They usually say white magic and black magic, which is extremely problematic. So for me, gray is the combination of both because like nature, Witchcraft is both. There's neither good nor bad. It's just our existence. So for me, I really sort of, um, I guess gray meant the, mainly uh, meant the most for me because, again, nature is both of those things, uh, depending on which side of the spectrum, because I quote Morticia Adams all the time on this, and that's what is normal for the spider is chaos for the fly. So it really just depends if you consider yourself the spider or the fly. Um, I think I've always kind of considered myself a spider, but also gray witch because I've got a ton of gray hair, like a ton <laughs> of gray. I don't know if you guys can see. I'm literally a gray witch or I will be once I get a little bit more into my crone phase. Yeah. And we were talking off air for a second about um, I have some clients who are starting their gray journey as really a part of female empowerment that because there is this thing, especially under patriarchy, that because women need to be at home and be mothers and be sexually available to their husbands. You have to always look as if you are sexually ready to have a baby. You need to perpetually yes. be 25. And that once you are not 25, you're essentially useless to the community, right? Well, that's because under patriarchy, our worth is determined specifically on our physicality. And that's such, excuse me, bullshit because women get we're like wine baby we get better <laughs> as we age and that's what the patriarchy doesn't want you to know they want to keep women submissive young oh you're only valuable if you're young and pretty and then you have no value to society once you get older when that's simply it couldn't be farther from the truth some of the older women like the woman you were describing she sounds like a badass like yeah and she like that built part. up to it for like two years She's coming out of Mormonism as an older woman and she and her, her turning gray is essentially her rejecting. I don't need to try to be 25 anymore. I have actually a lot of wisdom as a 60 year old woman that yeah. I'm not going to try to pretend that I'm 
why am I trying to pretend that I'm 25? I'm so much more smart than I was when I was 25. Yes. I have so much more to offer than when I was 25. In fact, whenever I drive down to Utah, from here to Utah, if I were to go visit Bill, it would essentially, I hit a certain part of Utah from the, from the religion that we came from, which was Mormonism, which is heavily patriarchal. And you hit a certain like Mormon uh, line as soon as you get to Utah, where all of the billboards are just get your boob job here, get your Botox, Botox, Botox. Like, do you yep. know what I'm talking about, Bill? Like when you drive mm -hmm. into Salt Lake and all it is, is just like, 20 year old looking women just on billboards forever. And it's just like, whenever I drive down there, it's just like, oh God, like make it stop. But those women make me sad. And I'm not at all talking against, you know, cosmetic procedures. If you want to do something to your body, it's your body, your choice. Do it, babe. But do it for the right reason. Do it because it's going to make you feel better. Don't do it because you think that other people will like you more. Don't do it because you're you're trying to fight aging. It, you can't fight aging. We're all mortal. We all age and we all die. Um, and that's the thing is I feel that so many women fear getting older because they fear that they'll be less valuable. They'll, they fear that they'll be less attractive. And patriarchy teaches us that they won't matter anymore. And I want to change that. I want to I want to have women growing out their gray. I want women to, to show their wrinkles and show their crow's feet and show that they don't have boob jobs. And that's okay, that they're still beautiful and they're still valuable. And if not more so, if possible. Mm -hmm. yeah. You said something a little bit ago about black magic and white magic. And, and you kind of said like, that's more complex than that. I, I want to ask you about that. So Britt and I just talked about in the last week or two, the book, The Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz. Mm -hmm. And he talks about black magic and white magic. The idea that if we go up to an individual and say, you have an ugly voice and they believe it, now we've done black magic, right? Yes. And, if, and white magic, and I don't like the color idea right. of, of assignment, but the idea that if you lift people up and you give people a better story uh, that is beneficial to them, then you're performing magic, which is healthy and uh, helpful. And black magic is anything that tears people down and and, and yes. lowers self-esteem or causes people to feel pressure to make unhealthy choices. And I just wanted to get your perspective on anything else you wanted to add in terms of the complexity of just splitting it up, the binary idea of splitting it out into just white magic and black magic and what you have to say that does speak to it being more complex than that. Uh, it, it would definitely be more complex than that. And I, I've read The Four Agreements, so I know what you're talking about. But I would say, by again, by separating it to a binary is that everything's white and everything's dark. We can sort of separate the binary of everything's good and everything's evil. And as we know, these things are subjective. They are not objective. It really depends who you're speaking to. And our words carry value. Our words carry weight. They are powerful. Yeah. So if you say something to one person and say the exact same thing to somebody else, it may seem cruel to one and may seem good to the other. So I think by painting things with just a black and white brush, um, we're really limiting our understanding of just how powerful our words can be. And again, they are subjective depending on who we're speaking to. So that's kind of why I, again, I consider myself gray because the neutrality of this world and of nature, the, the, the sort of the divine essence of nature is, is neutral when it comes down to it. And again, it just depends who you ask, you know, the, the killer whale or the seal. Yeah. Mm. That's the day, sense. huh? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask about, so sometimes Bill and I were pushing against religion or we push against things that are unhealthy, but we also sometimes have to call out like our own camp. 
in a sense that, you know, we'll call out maybe atheism can sometimes act like a religion or, you know, maybe we're, we lean left politically and we have to call out some aspects of that. So if you were to have to like turn to kind of the camp of, um, which is what are some things that you see that are either spiritual bypassing or things that you think are psychologically unhelpful or pitfalls as people are trying to understand this place? Well, I will say, especially within the neo-pagan community, there is a lot of spiritual bypassing. You'll see a lot of people um, sort of nowadays and even bigger influencers will say things like, oh, you're you're a starseed or you're a divinely awakening. And the person is literally describing the symptoms of psychosis. And they're like, you're clairvoyant. So there are a lot of problems when it comes to, I would say pretty much any religion and belief, but certainly within the spiritual communities now, we're seeing a lot of bypassing when it comes to actual psychological disorders and things that should be treated by a professional that are sort of being like, oh, we'll just pray about it. You know, it's the same when the church tries to pray the demons out of you. You can't just ask your tarot cards if you are literally schizophrenic. <laughs> you know, things like that are very, very problematic. So I do see a lot of that happening within the community that does concern me. Um, maybe I should make some more content about that. That's actually a good question. Yeah. And some, I just want to just know, somebody said that I think magic is irrational. Yes. In terms of supernatural, I do think magic is irrational, but I think the way we're talking about it, it's not supernatural at all. It's the idea no. that you fill the world with stories that help everybody to be happier, healthier, and have a better well-being. And so I wanted to ask you, um, in terms of the rituals and things that you carry out, we'll say spells. Um, and I'll, I'll just use the binary term. What does the white magic rituals look like? Like, what does it mean for you as a witch to try to make the world a better place within that, uh, within that label? I would say within white magic, um, I, I've, I'm finding out recently that my voice is a pretty strong one of my powers. So I try to use that, especially on my platform, to try and empower people, try and help people. Um, and even in a very small context, I think people think I'm, I'm burning candles and calling the corners and things like that to, to cast a spell, but you can literally see someone walking down the street that looks like they're maybe not having a good day and you can say hey you know what you look awesome today and i really like your shoes and you can keep walking and that is a good spell mm. that is casting positivity into someone's life who maybe hasn't heard it before so things like that i try to do especially when i'm feeling down if i'm having a bad day i try and find someone who's having a worse one and then i say something to make their day better and i wish more people would do that <laughs> because if you can see you know someone say like oh wow you just made my whole day if that's not magic then i don't know what is mm, that's a good tagline i want to put that on a poster somewhere <laughs> um can you give us a sense of um any more personal rituals that just kind of support your sense of spirituality so what does spirituality mean to you what are personal rituals that continually you know help you to connect to nature and your highest self and other and give us a sure. sense of that so, so I think the word spirituality is for, in English, of course, for lack of a better word. So since I don't necessarily believe in the aspect of, of spirit, I would say, again, this is more like the embodiment of, of my consciousness um, plus my, my personal experiences. So sort of, you know, genetics, uh, nature, and then versus um, environmental factors, nurture that creates like who we are, our individuality and our who, who we are as people, right? So I would say for me, my rituals, I used to do like spells and stuff all the time, especially when I was in my teens, I would 
would, you know, light, light the candles, things like that. If, if people say they're having a rough time, I'll light a candle for them. It makes them feel better. I've had people ask me, um, can you light a candle for me? And I say, sure, baby, what color? What color do you want me to light for you? Will that help? And then I light it and I take a picture of it and I send it to them. And that mm. makes them feel better. And again, this is positive magic. This is positive reinforcing somebody to let them know that you care, to let them know that, that you love them. But um, in more of aspects of ritual um, of, within nature, oh, grounding, have you heard of grounding? So when you take your shoes off and put your feet in the dirt or the sand or the grass or the water and reconnect literally physically with the earth. Um, and I don't know whether I was just, I was raised a feral little child, always running around without any shoes on. Um, but that really centers me. And that's sort of a ritual that I need to do to center my brain. So a lot of people say, oh, I need to go to the gym or I need to meditate weekly or I need to do my yoga. I need to ground myself. I need to be within nature or else I lose my mind. So I, I think, I'm sure there are some listeners who would be like, I do that too. Um, that can be considered a, a ritual. You know, I think people really get hung up on that word and they think, oh, it must be a sacrifice. It must be evil. It must be scary. And um, that's not the case. So I really want to try and sort of um, redefine what modern witchcraft is and let people know that a lot of the things they are doing pretty well, it might be witchcraft. <laughs> Speaking of, I, so last summer, my daughter fell out of the window and it was, you know, just a rough time for my family. And I had um, a witch friend light a candle and send me a picture. And she also drew a card for me and sent it to me. And again, like you, I didn't believe anything supernatural was going on, even law of attraction. I'm like very skeptical, very skeptical of, but uh, for me, it was so much more precious than someone saying, you know, sending thoughts and prayers, because it was like this person took time out of their day. They they lit something. It doesn't matter what the thing is. They took a picture just to show that I was really thinking of you in this moment. And she drew a card for me and it gave my brain an opportunity to search for meaning right because as soon as you get a card your brain starts thinking well how can i fit this into the story you know your brain will just start to do that on its own right spicy psychology yeah and um it was such a beautiful gift from this witch friend of mine that was more precious to me than sending thoughts and prayers because it was this physical thing that she had sent me to show that she had spent a minute thinking about me instead of just typing out sending thoughts and prayers. And then she also gave my brain an opportunity to find meaning in this hard time that I was going through. And whether or not, you know, I, I'm skeptical that the earth turned in such a way that it got that card and that kind of thing, but it was still a helpful exercise for me at the yeah. time and a really, really beautiful gift from her. Um, even without any supernatural beliefs on my part or really on her part. Um, are which there... Excellent. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Witches are excellent at transmutation. So sort of the idea of, he, he mentioned alchemy. Uh, alchemy gave birth to modern chemistry. So transmutation, essentially, witches are very, very... Um, useful at transmutating our pain into our power. We are very good at transmuting, transmutating our energy to someone else and sending it to somebody else, even if it's as simple as that card or things like that. We are able to encapsulate our energy and give it to somebody else in a meaningful way when I feel that, you know, thoughts and prayers tend to be sort of like water off a duck's back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially for me, because it's like, well, you know, if you know me, then you know that I'm an atheist. So I don't I'm not yeah. sure what you're trying to get me to feel here, but I'm not feeling it. 
Um, well, I try to be compassionate as much as I can when someone says that, but still that, that I, I don't remember those messages, but I certainly remember her text message to me during that time. Um, can you get us, uh, give us a sense of the voices that really help you to stay connected podcast influencers, books that have really helped you to, um, find things that resonate with you or that you've learned from? Uh, when it comes to witchcraft, I would say probably not. I've discovered a lot of this, the stuff in here, um, just like following my own inner voice. But I would say people that I have followed for years that have really inspired me and sort of kept me on the path that I'm on are Bill Nye, Bob Ross, and Steve Irwin are my three favorites. Um, and I think it's because they never gave up on people and they always wanted to help. And that sort of inspires me to always want to help in whatever way I can. And I'm different than them, of course, but um, we all are. So I think you just find your strength and heal yourself. And I'm a firm believer that hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. And it took me a long time to heal. And so now I want to help other people heal. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, I didn't catch this in the beginning. Maybe you said it. I know we talked about the idea of it, but when did you first call yourself a witch? And second is you now have this presence online where you are incorporating these ideas into kind of a, a public voice that people are gravitating towards and finding benefit in. And I'd like to know a little more about like what that journey looked like in terms of you speaking up publicly and sensing that you had something to say. And, and then also uh, folks that were listening that there was something there that they wanted to hear uh, because obviously as you've grown, that says something about what you're saying is meaningful to the people that are listening. Yeah. So uh, I would say uh, the first time I called myself a witch, I was 14. So I knew from a really young age that that's what I identified and specifically that archetype, just that I'm different. I know it. Um, there's no fighting against it. Um, and this was during a time you have to remember in like the late nineties, uh, sort of like the craft era, like, being a witch was very much popularized at this time. So it was less sort of detrimental for me to say these things. People still looked at you like you're a loon, but it was less detrimental for me to say these things than let's say the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, where it was like absolutely faux pas. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say, you know, my journey on social media has been swift and <laughs> overwhelming at times, but super, super fulfilling. Um, I, the first video I ever made on TikTok went viral. And I woke up to 30,000 followers after one day. And I was like, oh my goodness, what has happened, right? And then when I started making videos, speaking in them, um, I got a really positive response from a lot of women. So, so my following is primarily women because you can see in the in the, the, the analytics, right? You can see like who follows you and it's primarily women. And I had a 10 plus year modeling career where I was dealing with just men just men and lots of negative comments from men. Um, we don't get a good, um, even though people are telling you how pretty and how hot you are, you get the absolute dregs of the internet when you're a model. So I hadn't been used to that, to getting praise from women. And I think that really inspired me to be like, oh, wow, like, this is really cool. Like, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to really be on the internet anymore. I didn't anticipate on going viral. That, that, that I certainly didn't anticipate on having the platform that I have. But c'est la vie, you know, things happen and here we are. And 
the fact that I get thank you messages every day from people that say, wow, you really helped me. I no longer feel fear hell because of you. Because of you, I was able to stand up to my Christian family who abused me. Because of you, I was able to put into words things that I've been trying to explain for years. And now I can't stop because now it's not just me. It's for so many other people. And I owe that to them. I owe that to the little girl who's stuck in some podunk town who's just like me, surrounded by a patriarchal, misogynistic Christian family who thinks that she's not worth anything. And she can look at my TikTok and know that she is. And that means a lot to me. Yeah, I can I can hear it in your voice that that means a lot to you. And and so many of the witches that I know really are wounded healers, right? They were wounded first. And I in fact, I did. I think it was a solo episode that I did build on Chiron and the wounded healer and that the place that you have the most capacity to do healing is the place that you were wounded. And so you know, a lot of what Bill does and what I do, and obviously what you do is being the person that you needed at certain ages and giving messages that you needed to hear in your past. And that yes. that is a fulfilling life calling to do that kind yes. of wounded healing work. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about TikTok because you do get um, some pushback specifically from what I'm seeing from religious men, which is the oh, yeah. majority of pushback that I get as well. So can you give us just kind of the flavor of the various kinds of, you know, continual pushback that you get and how that shows up in your inbox? Um, it's a lot of misogyny. I think it's a lot of unchecked narcissism for a lot of them. I mean, a lot of these men that come to my page and just spew this vitriol at me, they clearly have never been told no. They clearly have never been told to shut the hell up. Um, and I'm happy to oblige. So I'm one of the people that, you know, hey, if they want to come to bat with me, that's fine. But understand that I'm not one of the women that they're accustomed to. I'm not one of the women that's just going to keep my mouth shut and wash the dishes while they just blather on. Um, so I get everything from, you know, ad hominem, just like insults to literal death threats. Um, but hey, you know, they say when you get death threats, it's because you're doing something right. <laughs> but they're always from religious men, I will say. Um, yeah. Almost always. And, I, you know, as much as I know about psychology, it's because I hit a nerve. It's because I hit something that they're insecure about, especially when it comes to their belief or their way of life. If I say something and you're mad about it, you have to ask yourself why. But you also have to have the knowledge to understand that you should be asking yourself why. And I, I fear that most of them don't have that knowledge. So they then attack me instead of attacking the feeling that made them feel that way. Right. And does that, um, I feel like for me, when I get those messages that come in, it's like, hellfire sometimes it's quoting a scripture at me as if i've never read the bible and i'm actually yeah. kind of an expert in theology as much <laughs> as one can be um and i get some of that but i also yeah it's it's tough because it, it usually is men and the women will just say sometimes they'll sometimes say like this one didn't resonate with me but i don't get it's like a different kind of vibe from from women yeah. even though i'm not resonating with all women they'll either just scroll on or they'll say you know that that video some of your videos resonate with me and some don't and but it's not this kind of full-on hellfire attack that i get from religious men which is really interesting to watch i would yeah i think it has a lot to do with 
because a lot of people look at me and they go, oh, she's a girl I like to look at. And then they hear what I'm saying and they go, oh, I don't like what she's saying now. Yeah. Right. And most of these people, like I said, when people see me out in public, I've never received something negative from somebody. I only get yeah. negative stuff online. And I think this has a lot to do with sort of the anonymity of the Internet where they, yeah. you know, these basement dwellers are so emboldened by the anonymity of the internet that they can say all this asinine thing, all these things yeah. uh, that they would net. I mean, most of them would piss their pants if they walked up to me in person. I'm five nine and I always wear heels. I'm taller than half of them. So the idea that they think- that Oh, that's such a delicious image in my mind. Just, I had a visual that was just, just delicious. Like, get out of here, you know? Like, and but that's, for you- that's the funny part. But for you, knowing the psychology of if I'm hitting a nerve, it's because of something going on in your brain. Does that give you the ability to kind of handle the negative feedback? Oh, yeah. Just yeah, by saying uh, that's yeah. that's a you problem. Yeah. I was also prepped for 10 years in the modeling industry of being told I was too fat, not uh, too thin, too tall, not tall. You know, they will tell you in the same day that you're two of the same thing. You know, they'll say, oh, your your eyes are too big. Oh, your eyes aren't big enough. And you'll hear that in the same day. So when you are scrutinized to every little detail about yourself, um, I think that really preps you to be on the internet. Because th th listen, being a, being a content creator is not for everybody. It's certainly not. And I was not really prepared to be sort of plunged in. I have 220,000 followers now um, in less than a year. So I, I, I wasn't really like there isn't a, a how to guide on how to handle sort of mass, uh, you know, trolling from the public. Uh, but I would say that the modeling helped. It, it really helped prep me for that. Uh, and the psychology, of course, understanding that helps me as well. Um, sometimes I apply it. Sometimes I troll them back. Sometimes I use it as a teaching experience if I even respond to them at all. Just depends how I feel that day. Can we pull one of them up right now? So we've got we've got a we've got one a of these one of the, yeah one of these anonymous folks who he sometimes adds really helpful things to the conversation and sometimes he's really pushing back right. So I want maybe if the three of us could just spend a moment because I think this is a great question. What he's saying and because he's had other comments before this one, what he's saying is that why call it magic? Why not just call it human psychology? Why not just why not just call it what it is? What is the usefulness in putting labels on it of witchcraft or magic when, or, or alchemy, for instance, when those words have these other meanings that are supernatural, why give it, why give it a uh, supernatural language when it's really non-supernatural things going on? I think that's actually an excellent question. Um, whether they're trolling or not, I think it's an excellent question. And my answer to that would be because we are pushing back against the systems that have repressed us. We are pushing back against misogyny and patriarchy. And terms like witchcraft and witch and alchemy and things like that piss off the right people. It makes you think. And even though witchcraft is just spicy psychology in my application of it, we're having this conversation because of it. So we are talking about these things, whether these people want to accept it or not, they're still learning, they're still listening, they're still understanding that these ideas, regardless of what word we may call them, have power. And I think that that's why I go by Grey Witch. You know, like I said, it, it, it confuses the right people, it pisses off all the right people. Um, and it's sort of a conversation piece more than anything. And I also wanna redefine what people think a witch is and what witchcraft is. Um, so I think that's why. For me, and I don't self-identify as a witch, but what I love about it is that it's pulling from a deeper history. So, you know, I come from Mormonism and there are many people who 
uh, specifically men that will come at me and say, you know, well, why didn't you stay? You know, you're doing all this spirituality stuff over here. Why didn't you stay? And they don't sometimes understand that they're given more freedom to be in this nuanced, I can have my own opinion about things and stay in Mormonism. And that I, as a woman, was essentially not allowed to do that. By the time I was towards the end of my trying to make space for myself in Mormonism, I was not allowed to pray. I was not allowed to talk to the youth. I was stuff online. I was being called into the bishop's office. I was essentially silenced and muzzled in ways that men are usually not silenced. And so by using the word witch, it goes into something that is deeper than just Mormonism that, hey, if I would have been alive in the 1600s, the 1400s and the 1100s, I would still have been called a witch for seeing yes. things that were really uh, pushing up against, um, well, not being the kind of woman that was idealized in these patriarchies, right? And so, yes. So for me, using that language just gives life to a broader history than just my own experience being a woman in patriarchy until I was silenced and essentially walked out because there was no space put. for me. It's beautifully put and absolutely applicable. And those, because I would have been a witch too. They would have burned me. They would have burned. burned me. Oh, they burned anybody that was smart, pretty, or different. Mm. I'd have been so burned, bro. Yeah. <laughs> As teenagers, I don't think either of us would have made it. No I was way. quite I was quite a spicy teenager. I was quite a rebellious teenager. My day um, job is working with animals. I'm an animal behaviorist and I can make a cat come without saying anything just by eye signals. They would have burned me for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you would have uh, challenged the status quo in such a way that they would have felt threatened and absolutely. And it, it, it you know Love both of your answers. My thoughts there is that I, I'm an atheist to the core. I don't believe in anything being supernatural. And uh, I also call myself a mystic. And I find that when I talk to somebody who's willing to think about things in a new way, that when I use language that they've never heard before, it motivates them to be interested. Exactly. And, and so I think it's the way in which I using words like magic or alchemy or mystic or mystery. It's the way I get people to slow down and begin to think a new thought. That's the same application that I have with the word, witch. Yeah. Mm. even though it's as come rooted in the fact that I've always identified with the archetype of which um, it, it, it provokes thought in all the right places and scares all the right people. And I think that that's important because again, we're having this conversation right now because of it. And the people who were pissed that you use the word magic because you don't, you're not really talking magic, uh, aren't listening anyway. And they're not, it's, it's not really for them to begin with. Right. I mean, life is magic. Look at, look around us. You know, <laughs> I think every day, uh, it really just depends on your application of magic. Do I, am I pulling rabbits out of hats? No. Am I cursing ex-boyfriends? No. But, you know, there's so many things at beauty in this world that I would consider magic. And again, you know, making somebody smile in a way that they haven't. And you can tell um, receiving the inboxes that I do from people. That's magic to me. It reminds me, I, I made my son, my 12-year-old son, read a book from Richard Dawkins that was written for teenagers called The Magic of Reality. And he uses that word magic because reality is so mysterious and so amazing and so mind-blowing 
existence itself that he even richard dawkins who is as far as on the atheist scale you could go still use the word magic for the yeah. title of this book like this is magic um but he was talking really about reality and that and um anyway my kiddo liked that book but for me one of the most powerful things going back to mythology which is a place where i've learned so much about myself from Jungian psychology and from Greek mythology, um, because it, it, it's like it takes all of your brain and all the parts of human nature and it kind of externalizes it to all of these gods and you get to understand yourself. So for me, it was really powerful to be studying that in Mormonism and to see this archetype of old wise woman with um, and she always. Yeah, like you said, she had herbs and she was a healer and she was gray and she was not sexy but she was powerful and she was wise and this kind of grandmother willow and you could see the archetype in movies and throughout history and then to look at my own religion and see that there was no there was no image of a wise woman like that in my religious tradition and just the heartbreak of like wanting mother at least in an image or a story or somewhere and have it be not there. And I remember one time I was reading, um, this is like really early on in my kind of awakening journey, but I was reading scriptures that were talking about God, but they put it in the female pronouns. And I remember weeping and not really knowing why, because it was filling this space in me that I hadn't even put words to yet, that um, this, this witch old woman, wise archetype that was truly missing in my religious tradition yeah. and to see words be put to it. And I, I just wept and I really didn't even understand why I was doing it, but it was just so powerful. And then to, you know, have to go outside the religious tradition to be able to find um, really more feminine ways of, of being spiritual because spirituality was always modeled in the masculine. Yeah. Especially in the, you know, the Abrahamic monotheistic, beliefs um the divine feminine is completely written out completely and that's the thing that's why the women in most of those religions are less than human in, in the eyes of, of the people who practice them we are beneath a man in all aspects and the thing is is like my partner and i'm i'm, I'm with a, a man um and we look at each other as equals we're different but we're equal. We, we need each other in different ways and we help each other in different ways and we mm. care for one another in different ways. And I find that under these patriarchal religions, um, there's always something missing because these men are then burdened with the weight that their women would be providing for them. They have to do everything, make all the decisions when women aren't afforded that choice. And the thing is, is when you actually let us help, you become more powerful. You both elevate. And I really wish that people could see this. And I think the world is waking up. I think they're understanding that women aren't just for breeding. <laughs> you know, although it's a beautiful thing if, if a woman chooses to become a mother, but that's not all that we are. We are much, right. much more than that. I want to include, we're coming up on an hour and I don't want to take you too long, especially since you were ready for us earlier on. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> the time change, but um, this is a long time listener to the podcast. So I want to make sure I get his question. How does astrology fit into the worldview of a witch? Do you have any thoughts about that? 
Sure. So I, I would consider astrology in the same category that I consider tarot. Now, while they're both a, a pseudoscience and not applicable in any type of scientific way, I think that they're very useful in psychological applications. So for instance, astrology or tarot, if someone says to you, oh, what's your sign? And you say, oh, I don't believe in that. That tells you so much about that person from a psychological standpoint. If they say, oh, I'm a Leo, then that also tells you a bunch about that person from a psychological standpoint. So I think in a social aspect, uh, astrology is completely applicable to get to know somebody, um, whether they like that or not, whether they believe in that or not. That's telling you so much about them in one simple sentence. Uh, now, when it comes to tarot, which, again, is sort of the same vein, um, tarot is also applicable in a psychological stance. So, you know, if you pull up a card it's the same as you're playing a deck of cards, right? Whether you believe that there is a metaphysical or supernatural aspect to tarot, I personally do not. But if you do, that's again applicable to your life because if a certain card comes up, that may trigger something in your psyche that hasn't been triggered in a long time, maybe something that needs maintenance. So again, whether you're an atheist or whether you're a pagan or whatever you may practice, I think that both of these tools are useful in your life if you're searching for something. Um, it can help you find them. And I think that if people looked at it with more of um, an open mind as opposed to, oh, you're believing in demons and spirits, that's not the case. They're cards. <laughs> it's how the stars are lined up. And as much as, you know, our, our ancestors were studying the stars and how astrology is applied sort of historically throughout the world, right? You know, we see constellations in the pyramids and things like that. That's all that they really knew about the world was looking up to the night sky. So, you know, um, as much as I, I mean, I'm a Pisces. I don't know how much, <laughs> how much they would like to say, but but they're tools, guys. It's, it's a tool to get to know our fellow human. And whether or not you may believe in that, just the same as if someone tells you they're a Christian. If someone says, oh, I'm a Taurus, that tells you about that person. It tells you what they're trying to share about themselves. And I, again, I find that to be very useful. The listener who um, asked that question said, I like her answer. Astrology and tarot are useful tools. So yes. he applauds the answer. I have, um, we're coming up on an hour here. And so I wanted to talk about sexuality for a second because sure. you push back um, in your content on sexual abuse in the church. It's yes. one of the things that you're most willing to put your neck out to say, this is wrong, right? Yes. And sometimes you get sexually aggressive messages back, but you're also, I think, modeling healthy sexuality. Sometimes you have sexual posts. Sometimes you'll post you and your partner and they're they're sexy. Right. So how sometimes. are you? I think so. They're very sexy. I just want to say, even like the images you sent for us to use in our promo image, like they're more provocative than any other guest we've had. Um, I <laughs> they thought, were from, and, and they were from like, a dance shoot. <laughs> yeah, and Britt like, and I had a conversation. Those are the newest pictures I had. I love it. Britt and I had this conversation and we we're both like, throw it on. Like, that's what she wants. And yeah. we want to, like, let's do that. So uh, I anyway, wanna, just yeah. super cool. I wanted to ask how your... Um, really just how you're navigating, pushing back on sexual things, especially where in, in religion and the abuse that you're seeing. But then you're also kind of modeling healthy sexuality and sexuality as part of your feminine. And just kind of how do you handle all of that? I think that every individual has their threshold of what they are comfortable with when it comes to expressing either uh, internally or externally their sexuality. Um, but what I promote and what I talk about the most, I would say, especially in pushback to religious abuse, is consent. It all boils down to consent. If I want to walk down the street with my top off, if I'm in a city that's, that I legally can, that's my consent. 
whether you see me and you choose to sexualize me or not is your consent. Um, so the idea that, you know, some people may be more or less comfortable with their body, their physical body, or what they choose to share, that doesn't mean that they're not a sexual person. What, what I sort of want to promote is sort of that healthy expression of sexuality. And for some people, especially, you know, in certain religions, women are completely covered and that to them is empowerment, right? There are some women that wear nothing at all and that's empowerment to them. So I, I would say um, to each individual, find where you feel comfortable, where you feel sexy. You become sexual when you are aroused, not when someone else is. That's the difference. So your sexuality is your own. Don't let someone commandeer it because they decided to sexualize you in a way that you don't consent to. If I'm walking down the street like this and someone wants to sexualize me, that's on them. It has nothing to do with whether I'm feeling sexual or not. It has to do with their perception of me and what they think sexuality is. So I think, and it took me, and I'm going to be honest, it took me a really long time to feel comfortable in my own sexuality. I, I was dealing with a lot of trauma. You know, I was definitely seeking the wrong partners for a long portion of my life, trying to feel validated. And, and I felt the more that I tried to seek to validation, the emptier I felt. So until I loved myself, I don't feel that I was loved in an appropriate way for most of my life, probably not until my thirties. And so I, I think remember. now, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think now expressing that in, in the way that I do um, is sort of a, uh, fuck you to, to yeah. the people who ever sexualized me when I was younger. You know, I started getting catcalled when I was 13, 14 years old. Yeah. I remember this one piece of content you put out where someone was saying like, ew, you're not even attractive. You're not as curvy as I would want. And, you know, it's, it's, and it was just such a ridiculous comment of just like, well, your, your body isn't the way that I find attractive. Right. And so you had this kind of spicy answer of, bringing up his picture and it was a conventionally older perhaps more unattractive man and it was just like oh jesus christ <laughs> just to like hey do you do you understand do you what you're sounding like yeah yeah do you see what you're doing here and i actually i was in bed and i laughed out loud and my husband was like what are you watching and i was like i can't even explain this but i found it very funny i so i like to spoon feed them their own medicine because for, for me, the most surprising aspect of those comments is like, where are they getting the audacity? You know, yeah. because if I were the Crypt Keeper, the last thing I would be doing is commenting on some young girl's post and being like, <laughs> seven out of 10, like my guy, relax, you know, like, and, and it doesn't even matter what you look like, because again, attraction is subjective, but I would never never go to someone's page and comment negatively about their appearance, especially unsolicited, but I get them in mass every single day. So sometimes the, I just like to fling it back in their face. The, the two things I think about when it comes to that idea of sex, one is that we were having sex long before we were human. This idea of, of what's appropriate or inappropriate, like all that's modern myth applied to these labels. Right. And then, and then the other idea I had too, was that, uh, for the folks who are being like really, um, uh, um, I, I kind of lost my train of thought, but, but the idea of being really unhealthy about approaching somebody, you pointed out too, this idea that attraction is subjective. There, there are different moments in history where people were attracted to bigger women or thinner women. And so for someone to come in and go like, you're this simply because my brain tells me that I'm attracted or not attracted. It's such a weird thing for people to be in that space 
imposing their own personal ideas as if it's what we all generally agree to? I think it's an attempt to throw their power because generally, and I would say, of course, not all men, it's not all men before they come in the comments. A lot of older men know that their words hold weight. And when they see a woman that they think, oh, wow, she's attractive, she's intelligent, she's powerful. I need to bring her down a few pegs by saying something negative because I need to bring her down to my level, which is down here. And they say something negative to you and they expect you to internalize that and go, oh, maybe I should. That shit bounces off of me like a quarter off a firm ass because they cannot make me feel bad about me. I did that for 20 years. There is nothing you can say to me that I haven't already said to myself, babe. So firstly, you're unoriginal. And secondly, your insecurity is showing. So they're doing black magic and you've got a shield that reflects it. That's right. Love it. Boom, roasted. I love that one. <laughs> Um, and then we had some comments about the people who are not on TikTok who are really responding to you. Is there anywhere else that you like to hang out? Or if TikTok was to go away, is there somewhere that you're going to hang out in the future? So I do have an Instagram. Um, it's Jordan Dwayne, I think is my handle on there. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel, but it's, I, oh my gosh, I haven't used it in about seven or eight years. It's mainly just all my animal training stuff. There's no <laughs> content like this on there. So TikTok's kind of the only place that you can find me for now. Although loads of my videos get shared onto Facebook. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. <laughs> have you thought about writing a book? I am writing a book. Yes. Oh, I love it. I, you are, um, you are damn intelligent and articulate and Thank you. you speak at a pace that I can, I can grasp how fast your mind is moving and doing so on all cylinders and um, kudos to you. It's chaos in here. All yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, is that, is that part of your neuro spicy brain? Yes. Because yes. <laughs> some people... Uh, you're, you're Neurodivergence yeah. is a superpower, but it is also a super hindrance at certain times. It really just depends which environment I'm in. Yeah, because some people on TikTok, you know, for me, I have to write things out because I'm quite slow to put things together, but I'm a good writer if I can write it out. Um, and so it has been amazing to watch you answer these questions in real time as fast as someone talks on TikTok um, without a script. And so, yes, I can't wait. And Please let us um, have you on the podcast again when you oh, I'd love finish to. the book and we can talk all about it because while wow, we've had so many people really respond and we've had a lot of commenters um, who are watching this live who are just really loving this conversation because I think well, for so you, many of us, yeah, I think for so many of our audience, there are people who really want to get closer to nature. There are especially women who are so curious about this world. It's a little overwhelming at first when you're yeah. first leaving high demand religion. Um, but then like if you're coming from a religion, you have this BS meter. And so you're trying to navigate things, but then you feel like, oh, if I believe this thing, then I'm just going to have another faith crisis. And so it can keep people from exploring this space and the tools in this space because they're afraid and i get this all the time when you have a really high bs meter because you're coming from religion um anything that sounds like a truth claim is just an instant block it's just an instant i can't go there because i'm going to get hurt again and so what i really love about your content and about this conversation is that i just know so many especially women who are really hungry for this 
but have not been able to kind of navigate their way through it, especially with all of the woo that happens in this world that just feels really overwhelming when you're first leaving religion. And so um, I hope people that follow you and I cannot wait for your book. And I just love your voice in the world. I think that um, the, my favorite combination of people, and this includes Bill and this includes you, are people who show up with their whole head and their whole heart. So their heart is there, um, you know, the mystic, the feeling, the connection, the all of that, but the head is still very present. There are and, three places that I listen to. Hmm. I'm sorry to interrupt. There yes, are three no, places please. that I listen to, and I suggest that everybody else do the same. Um, you got to listen to your head, your heart, and your gut, hmm. and they'll hmm. never tell you wrong. Hmm. I feel like I need yeah. more work was- on my gut space. Listen to your gut. She'll never lie to you. Yeah, it's a hundred times better than the systems I came from. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I feel like my gut space is a little bit more of the three is the most quiet because I I'm still working on my body connection um, because I've been more of a headspace person in 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 the past and that's the place that I most like to hang out. You got to listen to all three. Mm. They will tell you. They'll never steer you wrong. Sometimes they argue with one another, especially the head and the heart. If you're in love. But mm. your head, your heart, and your gut, they, they'll, they'll tell you. They'll tell you mm. what's up. Mm. Listen to them. Really beautiful. Bill, this has been one of else? my favorite conversations we've oh, done. Thanks, this is episode number 146. Uh, we've interviewed really like super well-known authors, scholars. All, this is one of the most enjoyable conversations, maybe the most enjoyable conversation I've had. <laughs> I'm so flattered. I don't know if I earned that title, but thank you so much. <laughs> yes, you do. All right. So we, we will let you go and just thank you so much. And everybody follow Jordan, the gray witch. And thank you just for sharing your voice with us today. Thank you all. Thank you so much for having me. Take all it right. easy, Jordan. Okay. Give me a second to fix that. All right. Oh, what'd you think? Man, what an amazing, amazing conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, really appreciated uh, the chance to to talk with her. She's really s- smart is obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a articulate answer for every question that was asked. She was like her gut, mind, and heart were all connected. Um, they were all very much, uh, I didn't sense, I'm trying to use the right language. I didn't sense any, disconnect in her she just knows her stuff very well yeah so you can see why i saw her on tiktok and she was talking about you know atheist witchcraft and then i started to watch a few of her videos and you could see why i instantly was like i have to talk to this woman like i need to talk to her i need to know her story and i was it was so interesting at how early you know i was kind of expecting there to be like oh, I was Catholic until I was 25, and then I had this blah, blah, blah. But she started this path very early on, which I found very interesting. That's a more rare story than than we usually hear because she, of course, then would have been earlier than the neo-pagan movement in general. And so that was really interesting. But I, I really, there, when she's talking, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, maybe I should be a witch. <laughs> And I do love, and I do love the witches in my life, and I do love how she's able to do it while maintaining intellectual honesty. Um, but for me, I just my my favorite places are places like this where I'm having conversations with people, and so 
I tend to be like for you, like when she was talking about going out and grounding, do you feel more connected and awakened or spiritual or whatever word from having this conversation or going out into nature? Ooh. For me, it's an instant conversation. Yeah, I think it's both. And they might be really close to equal. Yeah. Um, but it's not just nature. It's the quiet and it's mm. the being called into a place in yourself where you're observing rather than constantly worried about what's going on in the past and future. It's, again, being present. Nature calls you to be present. Nature mm. calls you to observe the universe all around you. Nature um, definitely calls me into awe, especially like stars or eclipses or things like that. Um, but I still think like the conversation and putting words to it is how I connect to it. And so I think that's why I never was really called to this path because I want to talk about the thing <laughs> and I enjoy and I connect more by talking about the thing than actually sometimes doing the nature thing. And so it's just, it's just not, so then it's just not my path. The conversation is my path. The reading yeah. and writing and having conversations with you is much more um, fulfilling to me. And it feels more like my path that, but I loved everything that she said. And she was such an interesting person. Yeah. It, I want to, so fine business operator in the comments. And yeah. mm -hmm. I'm going back to him because I'm just looking over there and I'm seeing what's, what he's saying. And he's, a, and I, I can tell this, he's also a smart person. He's well-read. He, his comments are very intelligent, but, but he represents a portion of humanity that really wants to stay in this logical space and wants everything to be termed a certain way. And the, the trouble is the terms he uses are also made up. They're, yeah. they're terms that were assigned meetings, meaning sometime in the last 20,000 years or 10,000 years or 200 years. And when I said it was all myth, he's like, oh, fine, like myth, whatever, you know. Mm. But the, the reality is it is all myth. Mm -hmm. This is just energy bumping into each other and we've I come up like, with stories. I feel like no one gets there right away. So like at first you are like, well, Mormonism is a myth. And then it's almost like you can come back to some of these words because you realize that, you know, all language these are just mouth sounds, you know, that we put certain um, meaning to, but then the way that you're hearing them is not ever exactly the way that I'm saying them. And so it's almost like you come back. And this is, I think, when you make the move into mysticism, where at first it was like, yeah. no to all this language, because it's not literally true. And then you kind of return to it, because once you realize that this is a game, and we're all playing, and we're just building sandcastles, yeah. then you can come back to some of this religious language with a little bit more room than maybe in the past. At least that's true for yeah. me that I'm able to play in spaces that were way too religious language for me to hang out in um, maybe five years ago. But now I can kind of do that translation and understand what they're saying and still make a connection, even though that's not the word that I would use or whatever. Yeah. My, my wife recently bought a tarot deck. And she has been researching with the book that came with it, as well as outside of that, how to be a tarot reader. And so she did a reading for me about a week and a half ago. Mm. And, and more than that, maybe three weeks ago. And she, there was something else going on in my life that was a little bit of turmoil. 
She lays down three cards. There was like the main card, and then there were the two cards supporting it, right? Mm-hmm. And and she just read straight from the book. And my mind easily picked in my life the thing that was going on that connected to these cards. And it called me. And, and again, I don't mean this in any magical way. I just mean that my my consciousness was aware of the direction these cards were pointing my thoughts. And I thought through what these cards were suggesting. I went into my gut and I knew that I was handling the situation healthy and that I was doing the right thing. And I walked away from the tarot reading feeling reassurance that I had done what I needed to do and that I didn't need to worry about what other anybody else could do about the situation because I had handled it right. And I, I've been part of uh, astrology readings with Gina Colvin. Mm-hmm. I've been part of Enneagram conversations with uh, Janice Bangler and Gina as well. I've, I've had all these conversations where we're using a thing that some people believe is magical as the framework for having a real conversation about life and what works and what doesn't and pointing you to thinking about thoughts that you wouldn't have thought if I hadn't laid these three cards down. Mm. Um, Anyway. My, I do think so when I think of like a cult or paganism or, or which I, I see all these tools as um, ways to tap into your intuition and your intuition is wise in the sense that, you know, we've talked before on this podcast about how our conscious mind is really limited in the information that we can take in, but our subconscious is taking in all kinds of things and has all kinds of things to say. So my favorite deck that I've gotten, I've tried it like a few, I just wanted to play around, but my favorite deck was this one, which is art cards and where it gets into um, just kind of characters that you see often in mythology or, or Jungian psychology. And you can go through these and then, yeah, you just essentially have a conversation with yourself and see what comes up with any of these cards and your subconscious will fill in those gaps and then you can learn and you can uh, set an intention. And there's nothing magical about any of that. Um, I certainly what? don't. It seems like it's such it's an easy thing to recognize that when we said <laughs> alchemy, we didn't mean turning tin into gold. Yeah. When we said magic, we didn't mean an empty hat and pulling a rabbit out. When we said witch, we didn't mean someone casting a spell over a cauldron and suddenly somebody turns into a toad. But to be fair, I do think that spiritual bypassing and human superstition does take these tools and like ramp up the superstition, right? So most of the tarot people I know are people who (laughs) probably really actually do believe that the universe spun in such a way that you only got this card today, right? Yeah. Same thing with horoscope people, right? Right. Most of the horoscope people I know are not doing this for just inner work. Um, there's just a lot of spiritual bypassing going on. So maybe but just we could prove human... that wrong. If you did a tarot yeah. reading right now and then mm-hmm. you did another one and then you did another one. And by the time you were done, every single card got used. Mm-hmm. Every single time we did tarot reading, we would have gotten meaning from it. Yeah. Yeah. So we can we can prove this out. But then, you know, if you have a need for these things to be true because they give you a sense of order in the chaos, then you're going to be clinging to some truth claims there because you haven't sat with uncertainty yet is the honest truth, which is what we see when people leave religion. They're still afraid of death. 
They're still afraid of uncertainty. They're still afraid of meaninglessness. And then they find the world of the woo and their spiritual bypassing and tools and security yeah. blankets and yeah. truth claims for all of those needs. And you just kind of fill them right back in instead of actually doing the inner work that causes you to turn to religion in the first place. Right. Yeah. I love it. But um, what was I going to say? There was one more thing. Oh, so my, so I did do some of this work, um, but I found that the most powerful, if, if someone's really looking for ways to tap into their intuition and a tool for that, I think my favorite is doing guided meditations. You can find them anywhere. It's a very common guided meditation where you imagine someone that you see as wise, some person like who would be at the table of someone wise and has your you know, well-being in mind, someone that you would really trust to give a smart answer. And you really imagine them and you go through this guided meditation and you ask them and you allow them to answer. And it's like your your own mind will fill in that yeah. gap of like, yeah. what would this person say in this situation? And you can actually kind of have this conversation between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind as you go through this guided meditation. Mm. And for whatever reason, again, for me, it's conversation, having that conversation with a person that I truly believe is dead, is literally dead, have zero belief that they are answering my question about my silly little life, you know, whatever I'm thinking about. But the actual conversation in my head is helpful. You know, walking into that space is helpful. And again, it goes back to that jump between cynicism about everything and going into this mystic space where, well, okay, it's not true, but is there a tool here that I can use? And and starting to do some of that work. So really fun conversation. Yeah, even that, you know, the, like you're pointing to it, the practice we had last week where we invited our dead ancestors and our living, right? To Super come powerful. sit at a we table. We were both with crying. Us. And and I know that. My mom who, you know, sat at the table, I knew my mom was dead and her real essence and memory and mind and thoughts wasn't there. My brain had my mom sit at the table and it was all mm -hmm. in my head. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get a message from her and all the other people that were sitting at the table, some of them a living, who were in the middle of making their lunch 200 miles away. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. But it, but it works. But it was, and if it works, yes. it's still rational and functional. Yes. If it works, then there's something there. Like you can't say, okay, it, it's like this, this is the conversation that I have with atheists where, you know, atheists will, you know, a four-year-old will pick up a phone and say hello. And we all go, we grab a banana and we say hello. And I feel like sometimes atheists are too quick to say, well, the phone's not plugged into the wall. It's like, we know the phone is not plugged into the wall, but there's something else going on here. And so if there is something that was useful to you in that in that situation, then it is something in some ways is real. And if it changes how you show up in the world, then it is something kind of real, even if it's not capital R real or capital T yeah, true. Right. Totally. Anyway, really are, really nuanced space. This tarot stuff, are you pretty good at doing tarot readings? Uh, I'm okay. I, I tend to use these archetype ones because I understand archetypes. We ought and mythology. to do that sometime in an, in an episode. Okay, maybe soon. I'll maybe I'll give you a reading. Um, for I'd anyone who you know wants to do um, spiritual direction with me, I can do some of these guided meditations in session. Um, we can pull out cards if that's something that that you want to do. Sometimes this just comes out in conversation, right? So the conversation, the way that I'm asking questions that you haven't thought about is that kind of mirror that looks inside and you can even be surprised at how you answer it. So mm. a lot of that is happening in conversation. If you were to do um, yeah. a spiritual direction session with me, but yeah, sometimes we'll, 
uh, people will ask for that or they'll ask for a coach or they'll ask for a guided meditation. And so long as you're not forcing me to believe anything that I don't believe, but you want some tools to help you, you want to have these conversations to kind of figure out where you want to go in your life and what's calling you and all these kind of big questions that we have. Um, yeah, these are the things that you do as a spiritual director. And I do most of it through conversation. Yeah. Mm. Love it. Fun stuff. All right. What do we got? What do we got next week? Next week. Um, oh, next week we're going to discuss Maslow's hierarchy, but the unpublished peak of that pyramid. Everybody's kind of learned the pyramid somewhere in Psych 101 or whatever. But uh, before he died, he was working on one above self-actualization called self-transcendence. So we're going to be talking about that next week. And then the week after, we have a Zen Buddhist who's going to come talk to us, a female Zen Buddhist who... Um, really has a lot to say about sexual abuse in, in the Buddhist community and patriarchy in Buddhism. And mm. I'm really excited to hear her story too. So if you enjoyed this conversation, please donate to the podcast so we can really continue to bring on these voices and have these conversations that really aren't happening anywhere else like this. Yeah. You've got the next two weeks lined up. I'm super excited about as well. Um, yeah, folks go to almostawaken.org. drop us a $10 bill a month or something. We, We'll just keep having these really cool conversations, having really cool uh, guests like Jordan the Grey Witch, and uh, we'll just keep talking about things that help us all to have a more grounded and uh, a wider base of knowledge that helps us show up in the world a little different than we were the week before. Yeah, it goes back to that spiral that we have as the image for this podcast. We're going deeper within and we're connecting more outside, going deep, mm. continually back and forth. And that's what I call spirituality. So Great job, always lovely man. talking with you, Bill, and uh, have a good week. Thank you, Heather, for donating. Really appreciate it. Sweet. Have a great day, everybody. All right. Bye. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director Brittany Hartman.